With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yo, Good morning and Happy New Year. You're listening to Morning Inspirations on J Radio 2.1. Bring you very best in gospel inspiration and music. Stay tuned, we have more. We got a good program for you this morning. So stay tuned. Happy day. Oh, happy day. He's on me. 
This is Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. And good morning. It's time now for our morning prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning saying thank you. Thank you for one one more day. Thank you for keeping us all throughout 2015. Now we're here in 2016. We thank you, Lord. Bless us not going out, coming in, Lord. Remember those, Lord, who are in hospital and hospice, and nursing homes everywhere. Remember those, Lord, behind prison walls. Remember those, Lord, who are in need, those who are homeless. Remember those, Lord, who, who don't know you to pardon your sins. But we thank you for being a God that cares. Understands us. First, our family, our friends, our church family, our neighbors, Lord. Those knowing, those we know, and those we don't know. We thank you, Lord, for health and strength. We thank you, Lord, for just being, just being God. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings that you bestow upon us. Bless our pastor and his family, Lord. There are the pastors, the ministers, the missionaries out there. Because we you will. We thank you, Lord. Keep us in your care. And we thank you, Lord. We just accept those who, uh, who work for different services like EMTs and police officers and firefighters and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals and mental institutions. We just give our government to you, Lord. To the White House, to the State House, to City Hall. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for everything, Lord. And never those, Lord, who don't know you, don't know you are the partner sins. Have mercy, Lord.
Gary Petty is next. Making life work. That's coming up next. We'll see you at the top of the hour. How do you define success? The news is full of stories of people who claim that the American dream is dying, especially for minorities and women. Just what is the American dream? Is it mortgage rates, a nine-to-five grind, broken marriages? Why are there so many self-help books giving advice on how to mend damaged relationships, with destructive addictions, and make more money? Yet, for many people, something is missing. These are the headlines. In a moment, we're going to take a look at the important news behind the headlines. Welcome to the Good News Program, presented by the publishers of the Good News Magazine. The Good News doesn't try to cover up today's problems. This is a program that dares to look at today's dilemmas and ask the questions that must be asked. It seeks the answers that must be found, answers that can only be discovered from the pages of your Bible. Please join Gary Petty for a discussion of today's good news subject. Everyone wants to feel valued as a person. Our society tends to judge a person's value by beauty or a perfect body. We also find value in what we own, stylish clothes, a car, or how much money we make. Others find a sense of worth and appreciation and status or belonging to a certain group. It would be nice to make our trouble disappear by dressing a certain way or making a lot of money, but you want to be successful. You want to have a good job, friends, clothes, a nice car, and have some fun in life. Especially for young people, this can seem confusing when it sometimes seems like teachers, parents, ministers, and peers are all trying to define who you are. You begin to feel like a contortionist as everyone tells you to keep your back to the wall ear to the ground, shoulder to the wheel, nose to the grindstone, while keeping a level head with both feet firmly planted on the ground. The United States was rocked by a social revolution during the 1960s that irrevocably changed society. Young people became disillusioned with their parents' belief that fulfillment is based in religion, duty to country, family, hard work, and commitment to community. They became acutely aware of religious hypocrisy, racism, greed, and the senseless governmental policies of the Vietnam War. The result was a revolution, a revolution that we're still experiencing today, a revolution in clothing styles, music, drug use, freedom from sexual restraint, a sense of rebellion, and the belief that the purpose of life is in the search for self. Pop psychology espoused the same philosophy of life. It's expressed today in a vocabulary of self-esteem, self-actualization, self-acceptance, and self-realization. Millions of people are trying to get in touch with themselves. 
The conclusion of this search for self is, since no one can determine who I am, except myself, then no other person has the right to determine right from wrong. What may be wrong for you may be right for me. There's a fatal flaw in the belief that happiness is to be found in the pursuit of self with no concrete guidelines of right and wrong. You see, the paradox is, no matter how hard you pursue pleasing yourself, life is going to be a mixture of happiness and sadness, joy and tragedy, success and failure, and all worthwhile endeavors and intimate human relationships demand self-sacrifice. There is a map that can help you find your way through this maze. It was given to us by the creator of life. It's called the Bible. In the Bible, God gives us reference points on how to handle life's problems, how to avoid destructive behavior and thoughts, how to enjoy life and face bad times with hope and faith. Happiness, fulfillment, contentment aren't things you find. These traits are developed in you by living a certain way. Sometimes life seems like the story of the mother who went to buy a toy for her small child. She commented to the salesman that the toy was too complicated for children. He answered, it's an educational toy designed to prepare a child for today's world. Any way he puts it together, it's wrong. Well, God has given us a way to put life together. There is a map. There is a way to make it work. You see, the real question isn't who you are, because all of us are in the process of learning and growing. The real question is, who are you becoming day by day by the decisions you make, by the choices you make, if you really want to find yourself Look in the way of life defined by your maker. The Bible clearly teaches the principles of cause and effect. Our choices, our actions, good and bad, produce results. The Bible, unfortunately, is the last place many people look to find answers to how to have a happy marriage, manage finances, be more successful at the workplace, or how to be more healthy. In short, many people don't understand that the Bible tells us how to make life work. It gives us standards by which to live, standards established by the creator of life. Many people go through life with only a vague concept of personal standards. The goals you set, what you accomplish, even how you define success depends upon the standards or principles you choose to live by. The creator gives us basic universal standards that define character for his children. It's from these standards that we develop our foundational values. Values are beliefs that are so important that they define how we spend our lives, how we spend our time. If I offered you a choice between a box containing plastic jewelry and a box filled with gold jewelry studded with diamonds and rubies, wouldn't you automatically choose the real jewelry? You know that gold is intrinsically more valuable than plastic. It's the same way with real standards. Once a standard forms a foundational value, to compromise will cause such intense conflict that you must choose to either change your actions or change your values. Something is wrong with the values of many people in society. Spiritual, emotional, and mental plastic is valued more than spiritual gold. Jesus told a parable that the kingdom of God is like a man who discovers a pearl of great price and sells everything he has in order to purchase it. What are the standards of your life? What principles do you value so much that to compromise would mean to change who you are. What price are you willing to pay for the pearl of great price? There are two problems that people face in achieving real success. First, do you even know what the pearl of great price looks like? And secondly, are you willing to pay that price? The first thing you must do is get a bigger picture of why you were born, 
How can you determine what the Creator wants you to do with the time that you have here on Earth? We'll talk about the big picture for your life in the next segment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Mankind has been remarkably successful in many material and physical ways. For example, we have successfully mastered the skies, and so airplanes and spacecraft fly safely. We have successfully transplanted hearts and even genetically cloned animals. Many things work successfully because we have followed the physical laws and principles that make them work. But have you ever wondered whether there are laws and principles that make life itself work successfully for you? Are there biblical principles that lead to a successful life? Find the answers in our free booklet, Making Life Work. Call 1-800-966-9232 for your free copy. Whether it is family success or greater personal achievement in other ways, there are timeless principles of success which are explained in this 32-page full-color booklet, Making Life Work. Call now. Get on the road to success and make your life work. Call 1-800-966-9232. Have you had about all the bad news you can take? Maybe you could use some good news. The good news is the full-color, bi-monthly magazine that brings you the best news you can hear, and always from a biblical perspective. All literature on this program is provided free as an educational service in the public interest by the United Church of God. It is absolutely free, and there is no charge or obligation. Simply call 1-800-966-9232. The magazine is free. The contents are priceless. The number again is 1-800-966-9232. Operators are standing by for your call. Or visit us on the web at www.ucg.org. Getting the bigger picture for your life is essential. A case in point. The African plateau was spotted with clumps of tents and red-coated British soldiers. Armed with fine breech-loading rifles and half a million rounds of ammunition, there seemed little to fear from the spear-toting Zulus. But sometimes a half a million bullets just aren't enough. The 1870s British Empire stretched from Canada to the Orient. Even the most remote outpost was run with textbook military code and discipline. They seemed invincible to almost everyone, including themselves. In 1879, violence erupted between the British protectorate in South Africa and the Zulu Kingdom. England sent an army to invade Zululand. The invading force split into two columns, the main column marching a few miles ahead of a smaller force. The smaller column camped at the foot of a ragged mountain called the Sonawana. As the men were eating breakfast, the alarm sounded. Within a few moments, the soldiers formed a horseshoe defensive line around the camp. The danger of the situation dawned when there appeared seemingly out of nowhere 20,000 Zulu warriors. The British line didn't waver. Each man was an expert marksman, and they possessed 500,000 rounds of ammunition. When the Zulus came within range, the soldiers opened fire. The warriors went down by the dozens. The attack wavered. For nearly an hour, there was a standoff, with British soldiers holding their ground against the fierce Zulus. If you stood atop a Sonawana, you would have witnessed an awesome sight the mile-long horseshoe line facing a mass of struggling warriors. A thousand yards behind the soldiers lay the ammunition wagons where runners carried cartridges to the firing lines. If you stood atop a Sonawana that day, you would also notice as the morning wore on, the sound of gunfire weakened. 
At the ammunition wagons, activities continued with textbook rigidity. An accounting was made of every cartridge. Each ammunition box had numerous screws, and only the quartermaster had a screw. Each box was opened only when another was empty. Runners from the battle stood in line for their cartridges. No hurrying, no pushing, no panic. If a soldier showed up in a wagon that didn't belong to his company, he was ordered to run 100 yards to the next wagon. All along the line, the British infantry was getting nervous. They continued to push cartridges into their breech loaders, mark the targets, squeeze off the rounds. NCOs calmly barked orders telling the men to stay under control. But more and more men were saying, where's the ammo? The amount of cartridges reaching the line had slowed to a trickle. Hundreds of ammunition boxes were still unopened. But rules are rules, and cartridges were distributed under strict accounting procedures. The volume of fire slackened. A native company ran out of bullets and ran towards the rear. The Zulus rushed into the gap. The slaughter of the British troops began. Of the 950 European troops who took the field that day, only 55 survived. Of the 850 native troops, only 300 made it back to safety. What happened at, at Sandawana is the only time an army possessing a half million bullets, neatly stacked in unopened boxes, was destroyed because its troops ran out of ammunition. The British quartermasters were so concerned with control of details, they missed the bigger picture. You know, sometimes in the hustle and bustle of the job, children's school activities, rushing to the next meeting, fixing the car, and trying to make ends meet, we lose sight of the purpose of life. Many times we don't wake up from our preoccupation with details until the crisis is upon us in the form of ruined health, devastated relationships, and depression. It's not that we can afford to ignore all details, but we must be aware of the importance of details in relationship with a bigger picture for our lives. Stephen Covey, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, calls this difference between the urgent and the unimportant. He says, urgent matters are usually visible. They press on us. They insist on action. They're often popular with others. They're usually right in front of us, and often they are pleasant, easy, fun to do. But so often they are unimportant. Importance, on the other hand, has to do with results. If something is important, it contributes to your mission, your values, your high-priority goals. Reminds me of the story of when Jesus visited the house of two sisters. Mary sat and listened to Jesus teach the principles of life. Martha was distraught with details of preparations for her guests. Martha complained that Mary wasn't doing her part. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary saw a bigger picture. The details would still be there, and in their time, it would come to do them. But now there was something more important for Martha to do. Where do we start in determining what is important? A list of priorities is determined by the end goal. Christianity isn't simply a set of beliefs. It is a way of life with a definite goal. Jesus Christ reminds us, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know, what would happen in your life if you faced each day with the goal of being like Jesus Christ? How many urgent details would you set aside to fulfill what's really important? Would you answer the telephone or finish your family dinner? Would you turn off the television to take a walk with your spouse? Would you take time to clear your mind of troubles and meditate on God's plan for your life? 
Would you give up watching one basketball game a month to visit the elderly and the sick? Organizations create what are called mission statements or short statements of why they exist and what they want to achieve. What is your life's mission statement? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave this important starting point in helping us answer the questions. Now, the questions there in the Sermon on the Mount he was talking about are, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And that's in the context in which he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The mission statement for all Christians is just that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God has a bigger picture for your life. Don't lose sight of that bigger picture as the British Army did at Isanawan. You have all the ammunition you need, but you must use it. Spend time every day in contact with God through prayer and Bible study. Live by the words in his instruction book. Take care of the essential, and the unimportant will take care of itself. In the next segment, we're going to discuss how to establish goals that will help you achieve true success. We'll be back right after these important messages. Frankly, life just isn't working for some people. Maybe you have noticed the incredible proliferation of self-help books on store and library bookshelves. You may not realize that most families already own the best self-help book ever published. Millions of copies have been printed, and it's been translated into hundreds of languages. Its words have been around for thousands of years. This book is your Bible. The sponsors of this radio program have put together a booklet titled Making Life Work that helps you make sense out of life. It's filled with practical, down-to-earth advice from the pages of your Bible. Call 1-800-966-9232 for your free copy of Making Life Work. There is no cost or obligation, and it may change your life for the better. Ask for your free copy today by calling 1-800-966-9232. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Are you tired of hearing nothing but bad news? Well, here's some good news. You can receive a year's subscription to The Good News Magazine absolutely free. The Good News Magazine isn't a Pollyannish cover-up of today's problems. It is a magazine that dares to look at today's problems and ask the questions that must be asked. The Good News seeks the answers that must be found, answers that can only be discovered in the pages of your Bible. Today's radio program is sponsored by the publishers of The Good News magazine. Your free subscription to The Good News has already been paid. You will never be sent a bill or be obligated in any way. Simply call 1-800-966-9232. That's 1-800-966-9232 for your free subscription to The Good News Behind the Headlines. Little did I know how receiving the I Dare You Award when graduating from high school, how that would affect my life. William H. Danforth's book would challenge me to explore life as an adventure of personal growth and sharing with others. But it was a lecture by John Goddard on setting personal goals that opened my mind to the endless possibilities of that challenge. Glenn Van Eckeren gives this summary of Goddard's achievements. In 1972, Life Magazine published a story depicting the adventures of John Goddard. His story was one of undying determination filled with personal purpose. When he was 15, he heard his grandmother say, If I had only done this when I was young. 
Determined not to spend his life playing the if-only game, John Goddard sat down and decided what he wanted to do with his life. When he finished writing, 127 goals existed. John Goddard decided that there were 10 rivers he wanted to explore, along with 17 mountains he wanted to climb. He decided to become an Eagle Scout, visit every country in the world, learn to fly an airplane, and dive in a submarine. He wanted to retrace the travels of Marco Polo and ride a horse in the Rose Parade. This was just the beginning. John Goddard committed himself to reading the Bible from cover to cover, reading the entire works of Shakespeare, Plato, Dickens, Aristotle, Socrates, and several other classic authors. He planned to read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica and yet have time to learn to play the flute and violin. Marriage, children, he had five, and a stint with church missions were also in his plans, along with a career in medicine. In 1972, John Goddard, at 47, had accomplished 103 of his 127 goals. Goddard exemplified the excitement of determining a purpose in life, setting goals, and pursuing them with determination. Now, you may not have much interest in exploring rivers and climbing mountains, but how would you answer the question, what are my life's goals? The answer to this question has much to do with the quality of your life. When you know and understand your life's mission and foundational values, then you have a basis for developing personal goals. It used to be that it was in the teen years and early 20s when a person decided upon and trained for what he or she wanted to accomplish in life. But in today's fast-paced society, a career can become obsolete overnight. We have to have an inner character that prepares us to meet the challenges of tomorrow. Where would we begin to find examples on how to develop goals? Not just career goals, but goals that help us develop as complete human beings, using our skills and talents and developing lasting, happy relationships. Obviously, the life of Jesus would be a great place to start. So go pick up your Bible and find passages that deal with Jesus' teenage years, identity struggles, and preparatory career education. But the long pages of information aren't there. Instead, the entire life of Jesus, from ages 12 to 30, is summarized in one verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This verse contains the most important instructions for people in the developmental years between 12 and 30. The key phrase is, and Jesus increased. These were active, productive years of personal growth and preparation. The verse then gives four basic areas of life in which Jesus grew. In wisdom, in other words, he grew mentally. In stature, physical health. In favor with man, Jesus grew socially. He was a person that people liked. And in favor with God, he grew in his relationship with God. He grew spiritually. Now let's look at how your life fits into these four areas. Get out a piece of paper and write down these four categories. Spiritual. This area of life is our relationship with God, worship practices, and religious doctrinal beliefs. Physical. This area encompasses our health and our appearance. Mental. This area of life includes our attitudes, our abilities and social. This area encompasses healthy relationships with others. When we find ourselves struggling with lack of purpose, depression, or always in conflict with others, we need to ask, what is out of balance with my life? Am I living 
on course with my life mission? Am I compromising my foundational values? Is my life spiritually, physically, mentally, and socially balanced? True success doesn't come cheap. Instead of dedicating all your time to selfishness, it involves work and self-sacrifice. As William Danforth wrote so many years ago, inner growth and broadening personality come from daring and sharing. You dare to use the talents you have. You find yourself growing stronger physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. You multiply your daring a hundredfold by sharing its fruits. You give your life away, and behold, a richer life comes back to you. You may not realize it, but you probably already own the best self-help book ever published. Dust off your Bible and let God tell you how to make life work. And if you would like some help in your personal exploration of his way, call for your free copy of Making Life Work. In this booklet, you will find chapters on marriage, child-rearing, friendship, success in your career, achieving financial security, and how to improve your health. Just call our toll-free number, 1-800-966-9232. Before you can learn to make life work, you first have to understand the wonderful purpose for your creation. Why were you born? There is a big difference between grasping your future and simply going on the way you have been. God wants you to establish a mission for your life, to first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He then wants you to find and develop your own abilities and talents, not just for selfish reasons, but to help others. He wants you to experience meaningful, fulfilling relationships. The choice is up to you. Join us next time when we continue to explore what the Bible really says about your future. For Good News Radio, I'm Gary Petty. Mankind has been remarkably successful in many material and physical ways. For example, we have successfully mastered the skies, and so airplanes and spacecraft fly safely. We have successfully transplanted hearts and even genetically cloned animals. Many things work successfully because we have followed the physical laws and principles that make them work. But have you ever wondered whether there are laws and principles that make life itself work successfully for you? Are there biblical principles that lead to a successful life? Find the answers in our free booklet, Making Life Work. Call 1-800-966-9232 for your free copy. Whether it is family success or greater personal achievement in other ways, there are timeless principles of success which are explained in this 32-page full-color booklet, Making Life Work. Call now. Get on the road to success and make your life work. Call 1-800-966-9232. Have you had about all the bad news you can take? Maybe you could use some good news. The Good News is a full-color, bi-monthly magazine that brings you the best news you can hear, and always from a biblical perspective. All literature on this program is provided free as an educational service in the public interest by the United Church of God. It is absolutely free, and there is no charge or obligation. Simply call 1-800-966-9232. The magazine is free. The contents are priceless. The number again is 1-800-966-9232. Operators are standing by for your call. Or visit us on the web at www.ucg.org. You've been listening to the Good News Radio Program, presented by the publishers of the Good News Magazine. 
We seek the answers that must be found, answers that can only be discovered from the pages of your Bible. To receive your free copy of the literature offered on today's program, please call toll-free 1-800-966-9232. There is absolutely no cost or obligation. 1-800-966-9232. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
to hungry kids and their families all across the country. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Today we're taking a close look at one of God's greatest gifts, the gift of smell. This is the Creation Moments Minute. The ability to smell is one gift we often take for granted. That's probably because we usually identify things more quickly with one of our other senses. At the same time, Thanksgiving dinner would not be the same without the smell. Some of the most unlikely creatures have a sense of smell. Believe it or not, even fungi have a sense of smell. Worms have organs on their heads to sense odor. Ticks carry their scent-detecting organs on their feet. This arrangement would not work for us. Mollusks smell through their gills. The salmon uses smells to find the same brook in which he was spawned. Lizards and snakes use their tongues to detect scents. More about the gift of smell tomorrow on the Creation Moments Minute. I'm Darren Marlar. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Donnie McClickin, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. Over 
13, a podcast listener emails in to ask this. Pastor John, is there any truth about roles in marriage given in Scripture that would encourage the tradition of a wife taking her husband's last name in marriage? Stated in a different way, based on your knowledge of the Bible and its revealed truth about marriage, would you encourage or discourage a woman to keep her last name in marriage? And why or why not? Okay, let me, let me give you my, my viewpoint first, my conviction, and then and then try to put some foundation under it. I would encourage, uh, in our culture especially, a woman to take her husband's last name, and if she wants to give special honor also to her given name, to her family of origin, to make it her legal middle name, so that every time she signs her whole legal name, she includes her given name. That would be my encouragement to uh, any, any woman who asked me or any man or any couple who are pondering what to do in, in marriage. So, and here, here are my reasons. I've got a cultural reason, a practical reason, and a biblical reason. Culturally, that's the way it's been done in the West for a long time. And to push against it usually signals a resistance to something good, namely that, that the man, and this is what's good, that the man bears a special burden of responsibility and accountability for leadership and provision and protection in this relationship. And, and I think giving the family that his name signifies that. I, I'm aware that other cultures may handle naming in different ways. I, I don't know enough to pass judgment on those cultures, but I would guess that the custom in the West has its roots in biblical reality even if it has been forgotten. Culture is not absolute, and, and our culture and others all are in need at various points of change for the sake of God's truth. So my guess is it's, it's a good thing and a biblical thing that the West has over time taken on this particular pattern of naming. That's, that's my cultural argument. Second, practically, in our culture it creates difficulties over the long haul for children if the mother and father have different names uh, or a hyphenated name. It, it's culturally confusing to explain, and, and it makes the naming of the child and the grandchildren unworkable in the long run. If Noel and I had taken the name Piper Henry, so her last name is Henry, my last name is so if we call our children Karsten Piper Henry and Benjamin Piper Henry and Abraham Piper Henry and Barnabas Piper Henry and Talitin Piper Henry, and, and all of them were Piper Henrys, what happens when they marry? And suppose they marry, let's just say one of the boys marries a, a, a woman whose last name is Smith-Jones, and they want hyphenated names. So now would it be John, suppose they named their first child after me, John Piper Henry Smith-Jones. Well, sooner or later, that just becomes unworkable, and you have to make choices somehow. So it's just not very practical to... Um, try to go another route than the traditional one. But neither of those arguments is compelling apart from something more substantial. And so he here's my word from Scripture. I think generally the Bible calls the husband to be, if he's physically able, the one who bears the special responsibility for leadership, provision, and protection. Each one of those words is chosen very carefully, and I've written a whole book on what I mean by every one of them. <laughs> special responsibility. The book is called What's the Difference? A special, special responsibility for leadership, provision, and protection. And I base this on Ephesians 5, 
wives, submit to your husbands uh, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head, so that's where I get leadership and initiative from, of the wife as the as the as Christ is the head of the church, his body his body, and is himself its savior, so the husband is not a Christ in the full sense, but he's a Christ in a mini sense for his wife in that he saves her from any danger that is encroaching upon her. He feels a special responsibility. I protect this family like Jesus has protected his his church. And then it goes on. Now as the uh, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So now we know this responsibility for leadership and provision is costly. Many men have lost their lives to, to protect their wives, to provide for their wives, and they should. Husbands should love their wives, Paul says, as their own bodies, and then he comes to this third piece. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. So now we have the third piece of, of provision and nourishing. So leadership and protection and provision in Ephesians 5. Uh, so husbands are to be like Christ in leading, rescuing from danger, nourishing with what the church needs and what their wives need. Um, and, and this is not... It's not thought of as a right or a privilege. It's thought of as a responsibility and a burden, a very costly burden. Many men have lost their lives fulfilling this role. Uh, it's especially appointed because God has this man there as an agent of his own care and provision and authority for his family. And the name over that family is very suitably the leader's name. That just makes so much sense. If you buy the biblical vision of manhood and womanhood, one more thing. There is, I believe, a more specific illustration of how that works out in Genesis 5, 1 to 3, where it says this. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, Adam, same word, man and Adam are the same. He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them Adam, named them man. Now, it, it, you know, some people translate it man, and they will say, so it really, it really doesn't mean that he gave them the man's name. But think about it. He gave them the generic name man, just like he gave the whole race the generic name man. And there is another word for woman. When, verse 3, when Adam, and this is why I think that the personal name is meant in verse 2. So I'm going to read verse 2 and 3 together again. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and named them Adam when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years. So he's not talking about man in general here. He's talking about the specific Adam that he had in mind in verse 2. He fathered a son in his own likeness after his own image and so on. So the generic name for the man and the woman was man or Adam. The generic name was not woman. Could have been, but God didn't do it that way. And then God called the first man, man, to distinguish him from the other men. And so he's called Adam over against Noah, say. So it seems to me that God gave us 
this pointer toward the naming of our families. Both man and woman are created in the image of God, but the man bears a special responsibility before God for this union. And, and that's signified with putting his name on the banner that flies over the family. Thank you, Pastor John, and thank you for listening to this podcast. You can email your questions to us at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org and visit us online at desiringgod.org to find thousands of books, articles, sermons, and other resources from John Piper, all free of charge. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening. This week, enjoy Art Smart products your family will eat up. One serving of Van Gogurt contains the live and active culture your kids need. Buy one, get higher test scores free. And nothing satisfies a child's craving for self-expression like Tchaikovsky's Nutcrackers, now with more music and dance in every bite. Try original flavor or new sugar plum fairy. Feed your kids the art. Visit americansforthearts.org to learn how. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. Noah's Ark, what did it look like? Answers with Ken Ham, one of the speakers of the very popular Answers in Genesis seminars. Now, while the Bible doesn't give us all the details concerning Noah's Ark, it does reveal how big it was. And the ark was an enormous ship, around 500 feet long, 75 feet wide, and about 50 feet high. Now, over the years, many creationists have pictured the ark as a big rectangular box. But if you come to our Creation Museum, you'll see Noah's Ark pictured a little differently, but still with the biblical dimensions. Our Ark expert, he's an engineer, well, he discovered that an Ark with flat ends might break up because of the force of the waves. So he's suggesting a bow that's shaped more like a modern ship. And he also found that many ancient ships had a fin on the back and on the top. Our engineer did many experiments in water and found that such a fin acts to catch the wind and then turns the ship towards waves and it helps make it very stable in rough seas. You know, such a vessel, well, it really could have survived the catastrophic global flood recorded in the Bible. What else does the Bible say about Noah's Ark? We hope you'll call and get a copy of our 95-page pocket guide on the Ark, and it's yours for a donation of any amount. Call toll-free 1-888-89-ANSWERS, 24 hours a day at 888-89-ANSWERS, or get the pocket guide on Noah's Ark through our website, of AnswersOffer.org. My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Now turn in there.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that put you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God 
and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead. From the death of sin, you are giving me a new life. The life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. 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 And I say thanks for the things you have done for me. Things so undeserved. If you gave your very life for me, the voices of a
Gloria a Dios.
You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.